I'm Donica Contour, and this is Naptime Devotionals, episode 47. After much tribulation cometh the blessing. Studying Doctrine and Covenants, sections 102 through 105. Welcome to Naptime Devotionals, a come-follow-me study for busy moms. I'm Donica Contour, your host. I'm a mom of four kids, wife of a high school theater teacher, and my favorite show to binge watch is Murder, She Wrote. Hello. So I wanted to do things today. Um, I'm going to read off a couple of scriptures. Well, I'm going to read the where you can find the scripture. Um, and then we're going to talk about one specific scripture. So, ver, let's see, sections 103, verse 20, section 104, verse 15, and section 105, verses 14 and 15. All of these scriptures show us one main thing that God will provide for his saints. God will provide for us. And one of them, he goes so far as to say, it is my purpose to provide for my saints. Um, and I love this idea. Anytime I'm feeling like there's not enough, like the earth, like I'm running out or I'm not going to be able to get what I need. Um, I love to go and read doctrine and covenants section one Oh four, Verse 17. I highly recommend um, taking a moment to read that one. Actually, you know what? I'm just going to read it to you in case you don't have a moment. So this is 104, verse 17. It says, For the earth is full, and there is enough and to spare. Yea, I prepared all things, and have given, un given unto the children of men to be agents unto themselves. Right? I love this idea that there's, there is enough and to spare. And I think sometimes... And I don't think that that's meant to to tell us, oh yeah, you can be wasteful. You can, you know, use whatever you want. I think it's to help us not be in a, oh, what's the word? Like a mindset that there isn't enough, a, um, scarcity. That's the word I want. I was thinking, what's the opposite of abundance? Scarcity. Um, to keep us out of a scarcity mindset, to know that heavenly father has made enough and to spare, right? Everybody will have enough um, or there is enough for everybody provided that we all can get along and work together. Right. So the scripture I really want to focus on is actually the one, um, that names the chapter. So this is section 103 verse 12. And it says for after much tribulation, as I have said unto you in a former commandment cometh the blessing. Right. And so the chapter is after much tribulation cometh the blessing. And I wanted to talk a little bit about this. What does this tell us about the natures of God and Christ? And being my English majory self, I busted out my best friend, the OED, right? The Oxford English Dictionary. And I looked up tribulation, a cause of great trouble or suffering, a state of great trouble or suffering. So why? Oh, and then the other thing I did was I looked up synonyms for tribulation. So we have affliction, agony, anguish, distress, excruciation, hurt, misery, pain, all of these things, right? So why is it necessary for us to go through tribulation and not just like a little tribulation, much tribulation, right? After much tribulation cometh the blessing. Why not just a little tribulation? Why tribulation at all? And, um, I was thinking about the life of Christ, right? Like, what does this tell us about God that he wants his children to go through this? And we are imperfect 
beings, right? <laughs> we, we, we are not even close to perfect. Now, Christ was perfect. And our brains tell us, well, in theory, if we are perfect, we have perfect lives. And I think I've kind of talked about this before. The idea being that if we are perfect, right, if we are perfectly obedient, which of course is impossible for any of us because we're all human beings, but hypothetically, if we were perfectly obedient to everything God asks us to do, then we would have these perfect lives with no tribulation and no challenges and no obstacles. Um, but of course we know when we look at the life of Christ, that that's actually not true. That's not how it works, right? We know Christ was born into tribulation, right? Before he was even born, people were trying to kill him. Um, after he was born, when he was this teeny tiny little guy, like the baby that's sitting on my lap, <laughs> whacking his rattle over here, he was still trying to be killed. He was a baby. He hadn't done anything, right? He was by definition, perfect, um, and yet he was already suffering tribulation, right? He was already suffering challenges. He was already in a cause of great trouble. <laughs> um, and I think that, you know, as we look at Christ's life as he was growing up, um, obviously we know, especially near the end of his ministry with the crucifixion, um, that there was nothing about the way that Christ went out of this world, even the way that he came into this world, right? He wasn't born into a hospital where they had, um, you know, medicine that would be able to take care of him if something went wrong. He was born in a stable, right? He was born by poop and animals and flies, I'm sure. Um, and I mean, I don't know, for me going, having had four kids, like I like hospitals. <laughs> I like, Having a doctor there just in case something's going to go wrong. Um, I like medicine. I like my epidural, dang it. And, uh, you know, the idea of doing the having a baby in a stable, you know, for his mom sounds like suffering and tribulation and trouble to me. Um, and then you look at, obviously, he, you know, he was going to be guided and taken care of by angels and by anything that needed to happen to make sure that he was able to grow into adulthood, um, to fulfill his whole purpose of coming to earth. But at the same time, there were, I don't think there was a whole lot about his life that would have been considered easy. Like, I think if we were to be able to somehow watch every moment of his life, I don't think that there was a whole lot there that was going to be considered easy in the way that we think of life and in the way we think of easy. Um, you know, and I'm not saying that Christ's life was just, you know, one torment to the next, um, but he definitely was not without challenge. He definitely was not without tribulation. And so I got thinking about how if Christ, right, we, we know the scripture that talks about like if he, if he was baptized, if it was need for him to be baptized, he who was perfect, then how much more cause do we have to be baptized, right? And I think about this th same thing of tribulation is if Christ, who was perfect, still needed to go through tribulations, right? He still needed to be betrayed. He still needed to um, be whipped and have the crown of thorns and be hung on a cross and die in this horrible way. Um, how much more do we as imperfect beings 
still need tribulation. And it got me thinking about the purpose of tribulation, right? The purpose of suffering, the purpose of trouble. And I think ultimately, at least in my experience in my life, the purpose has always been to see what I do, right? Do I blame it on God or do I turn to him? Um, and there's definitely been moments I've had where I've had those why me moments of like, really, don't I have enough going on? Like this has to happen too. really, why me? Um, but I've also had those moments where everything feels like it's collapsing in on itself. And I turn to God and say, help, right? Like, I don't know why you want me to go through this. Obviously you need me to, for some reason, just help me make it through this. Right. And I turn to him. Um, and I think ultimately that's the point, right? Because I don't think that God's life is perfect in the way we think of perfect either. And this is 100% gospel according to Donica. Um, I have no scripture to back this up, but I don't think that it is without work. I don't think that his life is without pain. Um, I mean, think about this. He had to watch his son, his most beloved son, be born into a very harsh condition on planet earth and go through mortal life, be scorned by his brothers and sisters, betrayed by someone who was close to him, and then be killed by his brothers and sisters. That the whole reason he was going through all of this was for them, watching him suffer in the garden of Gethsemane. And then there was that moment where he had to leave Christ. He had to leave him so that Christ would fully understand what it is like to be someone who's made choices that cause God to leave, right? Um, because he can't dwell with us when we are making bad choices, right? The idea being not necessarily that he won't be there for us, but if we're actively not choosing him, he's not going to be there because we're actively moving away from him. But God, or excuse me, Christ never did that. So God had to move away from him and how difficult that must have been for him. And he is a perfect being and he's already achieved his celestial glory and status. And I think about how sometimes I think of heaven and sometimes I think of the afterlife as just this like, wonderful, glorious, without pain kind of place. And I think in many ways it will be, but I don't think it's going to be exactly the way I think it's going to be because I will have a better eternal understanding of things. And so things that pain me now will not pain me then because I'll have a better, more eternal understanding. Um, but I don't think that it will be completely without pain, if that makes sense. Um, especially I think about like how, you know, um, the, the kingdoms work about how God has the three kingdoms, you know, celestial, terrestrial, telestial, and provided I make all the right choices, you know, I, I make as many good choices and everything as I can. And I, get to make it into celestial kingdom. I have members of my family and really loud children. I have members of my family who do not believe that the gospel is true, who do not live according to the commandments in the same way. And based on my understanding of how the gospel works and of how judgment's going to work, 
it's very possible they will end up in a different kingdom from me. And I don't know how that looks. And so I wonder if there will be a small level of pain that I am separated from my family in this way because they didn't keep covenants that they made. Um, or they never got around to making those covenants or they were offered the opportunity to have those covenants right through. Um, I've got like my grandpa, right? Never really had anything to do with the gospel. We do his work for him. He gets offered that opportunity. If he says no, no thanks, right? He's going to be somewhere different than I am. And not that he won't be happy where he is. I know that we will all be where we are most comfortable, where we are going to be the happiest. But also I wonder if there will be a little bit of pain for us to be separated from each other. But will it be a lot of pain or will it be kind of the way it is now where when my parents live far away from me or my sister just moved to Colorado and I'm like, man, I wish I could watch her kid for her because she's really struggling. I wish she, we lived closer so I could help her out. Or even my sister-in-law who only lives 45 minutes away from me. I'm like, man, if she lived a little bit closer, it was a little more convenient for us to watch each other's kids. You know, I would totally watch her kids so she could paint her house as opposed to like having to drive over there, pick up the kids and then drive back over here, but then make sure we go over, you know, anyway. And so like, is it, is it that kind of pain where it's just like, oh, dang, or is it like a little bit deeper? I don't know. I don't know. I obviously have never died. Sorry, I've got a squealy little baby over here. He doesn't want to sit on my lap, but he doesn't want to hang out in his bed either. But I can't put him in the front room because the other kids have gotten the little Lego out and he will choke on something. So he's just going to hang out with us and make squealy noises. Maybe he's trying to tell us all about what life beyond the veil is like because he still remembers. So let's kind of re rein it back in. For after much tribulation cometh the blessing. Ultimately, I think... It comes down to the fact that God designed us, right? We are his children. He knows what's going to be best for us in the same way that we know what's going to be best for our children. And from my albeit limited experience of raising my children, my oldest will be seven in um, December. I know that when we have her work for something, when she has to go through some level of tribulation to get something, Right. If whether it's a Barbie or whether it's um, a new Lego set or getting to go somewhere really fun, if she has to work, it's just to earn it a little bit um, or a lot of it, depending on what it is or how big it is. She has a greater appreciation for it and um, a lot more so than if we were to just give it to her. Obviously, she'd, I feel like she'd still be pretty thankful if we gave it to her, but the way that she treats it, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, and I think sometimes there are some lessons, like I think about, um, actually all of my kids have some level of this where there are some things that they learn the easy way, right? We tell them, Hey, don't do this thing. You'll get hurt. Um, and then there's other things that they just kind of have to learn the hard way, right? I have my son, particularly Edmund, is two. He'll be three in October. And he is definitely the kid that has to learn things the hard way, right? He's the one who I tell constantly, don't touch the pot. It's hot, right? I'm cooking dinner. I'm making soup. The pot is hot. Do not touch it. 
And the second I put it on the table, he goes, it's hot, and then touches it and burns himself and goes, Mom, it's hot. I'm like, yeah, I know. I told you. But he's the kid who has to do it constantly before – he has to do it several times <laughs> before it finally clicks, like, oh, I shouldn't touch that because it's going to be hot. When mom tells me something's hot, I shouldn't touch it. And part of that is just the age, but I think also um, to a degree that's part of human nature, right, that there's some things that we can go through in life that we can be – or let me rephrase. There's some things, some experiences in life that other people can tell us about that we can be like, oh, okay, and learn from their experiences without having to go through it. There are other experiences that we can be told about, but just have to experience in order to understand and in order to get it. Um, my sister-in-law and I were joking about how parenting is like this, right? Like people will tell you, like, if you don't have any kids, they'll try and explain what it's like to have kids. And we all think we know, <laughs> I'll be the first to admit, I thought I knew what I was getting into when I had kids. And I will be the first to admit, I didn't have a clue. Amen, brother. I don't know if you can hear him blowing bubbles over here. Um, we'll wrap this up here, though. And I think the point, right, the point of God asking us to go through this tribulation is to turn us towards him, to teach us to rely on him. Um, and he, the set, the last scripture I marked in this, in these sections was 105 verse 41, bro, could you like chill for like a second? Just give me two more seconds. Therefore be faithful and behold, lo, I am with you even unto the end. Right. I think that's the point. The point of the tribulation, the point of going through all of this is that heavenly father, Christ want to show us we're with you. We are with you to the end. No matter how bad this gets, I am here and I'm going to walk you through this. And I need you to trust me that this is the best way, right? Like we talked about, I want to say it was last week, maybe the week before, that everything that happens is for your good. Um, and I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. And I will talk to you next week.